wanted to talk to you, uh, first of all, um, usually we try to have what we call on-the-wall prayer at least once a quarter. And so that's, I think, tonight what that's going to be. And uh, so what's on-the-wall prayer? Well, in Isaiah, it talks about how you have set watchmen on your walls to watch over the city. And what they would do is sit on, the, uh, sit on those walls, and they would uh, declare or announce back to people uh, what, was, what bad was coming, what's good would come. Are you with us? You're not with us. Good is coming. And so on the walls of the cities uh, that the Lord has given us uh, authority over and set us in, we are to sit on those walls and watch. And in uh, the New Testament, there are several places where Jesus talked about in the end times that we are to watch and pray. Watch and pray. And so that's what we're doing. And so with our assignment of uh, Cornerstone Word of Life Church, uh, the prayer assignment that's also on our pastors, which is on our church, uh, that's what we do. And so in John 16, 13, it talks about how the Lord will show uh, that it was expedient for Jesus to go away. In John, it says that it was necessary so that the Holy Spirit could come. And uh, why was that? Because Jesus couldn't be everywhere. He was, he was one person, and he wasn't everywhere all the time. But he, when he went away, he said, it is your benefit and to your advantage that I go away so that the Holy Spirit will come. And, why, and how is that to our advantage? Because he's not just in one location. He's in all of us. If you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Amen. And so, uh, so we, he can be everywhere. <laughs> Wherever there's a believer, the Holy Ghost is in you and uh, he can be where you are. You don't have to come to a location in a building anymore. Praise the Lord. You don't have to go to a certain location. Remember when John, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, she said, you say Jerusalem is where we ought to worship. You say on this mountain is where we ought to worship. And Jesus said the time is coming and now in is where you don't have to go to a mountain. You don't have to go to a certain place that uh, you can worship the father in spirit and truth. And he's looking for those people. He's looking for the true worshipers. Are you the true worshipers? So there's not a spiritual location. It's great to come to church. It's great for us to be here together in the corporate anointing and worship together and fellowship with one another. When we see each other's countenance, if your countenance is down, you can strengthen your brother and all that is wonderful. But God can show up in your living room. God can show up in your car. I've had him do it. Where I've had to pull over the side of the road and go, you are too much. And I've got out and ran around my car in front of a gas station, you know. And I don't know what those people thought of me, but I had to get him off of me because there was just too much of him. Hallelujah. And I said, if you would just turn back just a little, I'm going to be at home in a little bit and you can flood on me all you want to. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there's not a spiritual location of where we have to go and worship him. We can worship him anywhere we are in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so prayer is a foundation of this church. The reason why this church even exists is because of prayer. Our pastor, before he came here, uh, you know, the Lord was dinging him about coming to Alabama where he didn't want to come. And there are reasons why, because of how people in Alabama are depicted on television. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
And, uh, and then Pastor Rhonda, uh, at two years after you started the church, she was on her way to India, and the Lord said for her to come away and pray. And when she came away to pray, on her way to go pray, she came to Madison, Alabama, and met this, uh, uh, this pastor whom she uh, thought was a distraction from hell. And the Lord had to tell her he was not a distraction for him, but he was the will of God for her life. And so the two came together. And what you see on this campus, the 16, 18 missionaries that we support around the world, these buildings that right here where you're sitting, uh, all of that came out of prayer because they are praying people. And I've been places where people are not praying people. And you can tell. Uh, we just had the renters in, and one of the biggest compliments that they gave was that uh, they could come in and just take off running because the place were pre was prepared in prayer. Yes. Amen. Because Amen. I know pastors prayed, and we had the prayer groups praying, and I'm sure the renters were praying also. And, uh, and so one of the things we've even probably seen amped up even more in the uh, last few years, the last couple of years or so, is that... Um, <laughs> uh, when uh, mission groups come back and they give testimony, they said, we just walked into our prayers. We, you know, we just, uh, as we got there, we were just walked out what was already prayed out. Hallelujah. I was reminded, you know, I was teasing Daniel about our Jaguar that we saw in uh, Belize. Y'all remember that? And uh, that he well, he heard. And uh, so the day before, pastors were praying in noon prayer. And, uh, and something came up and pastor said that he could tell that there was something or someone watching the team. And for, uh, he texted me and said, yeah, you need to be watchful and you need to be careful, uh, tomorrow. And so the, uh, that came in on Wednesday on Thursday was our free day. And so we went to this, uh, this nature park and we were going uh, hiking down to see a waterfall. And on the way down, uh, we, uh, part of us went ahead and went down, and then uh, Daniel had to go back uh, and pray for our interest fee uh, to go in. On their way back, <laughs> he heard something growl at them. And uh, so the young man that was with him, he said, uh, Daniel asked him if it was something, and he said, uh, we have jaguars here. And he said, that was probably a jaguar. And so Daniel was approaching us who were already down at the waterfall with a big stick in his hand. And I'm like, you didn't leave that way. Why are you coming back that way? <laughs> and uh, he said, I'll tell you when we get to the van. I went, uh-uh, you're going to tell me right now. So he told me what he heard and everything. And then, um, um, I know your name, Raphael was checking out a bridge, whether we could go over a bridge or not. And some of us went ahead and went to the waterfall well, as he's coming back to meet up with us, something is tracking him in the woods. And he didn't know what Daniel had seen. So thank you for praying <laughs> that we didn't get eat by. And the rest of us, just ignorant, when Daniel and I went back, we just walked by where the jaguar was, and we didn't hear anything. We were just happy go lucky. We're going to see the waterfall. And it, never even, uh, it didn't even occur to me till later that what pastor said they saw the day before was the jaguar. The eyes that were looking at us. Probably seeing a pork chop or, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Humans. Lunch is here, <laughs> you know. 
And then um, <clears throat> they were praying uh, in early morning prayer on Thursday. And Candace was leading prayer that morning. And she texted Daniel and said, there's something about the tires on the van. Y'all need to be careful about the tires on the van, something with the van. So we're on our way to the airport. And all week long, we've been riding in this van. And on our way to the airport, we have a different driver on our, our van. And he noticed that there was something different with the tires. And he pulled off to a, a service station, and they ended up having to change the tires on the van. And we just barely got to the airport to get our flight out of there. But hallelujah, that was prayer. That, and why, we, why do we pray ahead? Because we're praying out things. And uh, John 16, 13 said that the Holy Spirit, how be it the Holy Spirit, can you put that up? Uh, in John 16, 13, in the Amplified Classic. Hallelujah. Glory to God today. There it is. Uh, but when he, the, the spirit of truth, this truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole truth, full truth, for he will not speak of his own message on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are uh, to come, what will happen in the future. And I think, uh, can you put up 15? I think it's 15. Everything that the Father has is mine. This is Jesus talking. That is what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit it to you. So there are things that we don't know about that we need to know. Uh, there are things that are a mystery that we don't know about. And he's saying here that the, uh, that the Holy Spirit will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit those things. So we don't have to be in the dark Amen. about our life, about our family, about the future. Uh, you know, he could tell you if you need to, you know, this is coming and you need to put money back. Or he could tell you where to invest your money. He could tell you um, all kinds of things, where to work, where not to work, all those kinds of things. Aren't you glad for the help of the Holy Spirit? Amen. And so, sometimes we look at that word help and we think, oh, but he's a good example of a helper. And, uh, and he's here to help us in this walk in life that we're walking. So prayer is an important part of this church. It's uh, really the foundation of this church is why we're even here. And, uh, and so uh, everything, again, has been born out of that place of prayer. And we, uh, our pastors, count that very valuable. And they also count it very valuable, not for just them to know how to pray, but for us to know how to pray. There are things in our life that we don't know about. There are mysteries out, out, out of hand. That word mystery there um, in First uh, Corinthians 14, 2, I think it is, that how be it when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're not speaking unto men, but unto God. And how be it you're speaking mysteries. And that word mystery there is hidden truth and secret things. So there are things that we don't know. And that when we pray, we pray those things out like <laughs> eyes are watching you. I always feel like somebody's watching me. <laughs> that just popped up. So that was for free. You can have that. 
but things that are things regarding your children, regarding your marriage, regarding your extended family members, regarding your job, all kinds of things that he wants us to know and not be unknown, not be in the dark about. Hallelujah. And so um, we have prayer groups here at the church that you can be a part of. Um, One that we have during the week time is early morning prayer, uh, and it's on Zoom only. And at the information desk, they have some cards if you'd like to get on with us. We all always ask if you want to be a part that you put your name in your phone so we know who who's on <laughs> with us, and, uh, and so you're welcome to join us. Um, and we have prayer groups all during the week, so if you're interested in any of those, you can email the church or talk to me after the service or anything like that. So we want you to be people of prayer yourself. Um, in, uh, in James, it says, let him pray. Let him pray. Let me see if I can find that really quick. So a lot of times when we get in situations, we want other folk to pray for us. But in James, it says, let him pray. And so what if you're in a situation where uh, nobody else you can get to? So and it also says in that verse, if you're happy or if you marry, uh, be happy. So you don't call somebody else to be happy for you. Right. Y'all looking at me funny. Hold on. What is it, 513? If any one of you suffering, he should pray. Uh, Is anyone cheerful? Uh, He should sing. If I'm happy and I'm cheerful, I don't call Ollie to sing for me. Could you sing for me? (laughs) I don't call him to sing for me. Now, we want to help each other. I'm not saying you can't have a prayer buddy or anything like that. That is not what I'm saying. But... Uh, I've, in my experience, I've had people, uh, when they get in uh, dire situations, they're uh, tracking me down to pray, and uh, their heart is more invested in the situation, and I can't agree with you in prayer, but nobody can pray like you can pray about your situation. And I know that there are times where we're overwhelmed, our emotions might be, you know, up and down and all around and all that kind of stuff, but even in those, remember Paul in the belly of the ship. When uh, things are this way, <laughs> it's being tossed. They're throwing over things overboard and all of that, trying to, get, uh, try, trying to save their lives. He went to the belly of that ship in chaos, yes. and he heard from heaven of what to do. And so when we're in the middle of chaos, we need to be able to hear from God. You remember Elijah in the cave. There was the fire, there was the wind, there was whatever else there was happening at the time, but it was the still small voice. Amen. Amen. And so we need to be able to hear him in the midst of chaos so we can uh, uh, not let the enemy control the situation, but we can control the situation. And so Paul in the belly of that ship, he got the word that uh, all of the ship would be lost, but no lives would be lost. And that you might be bobbing up and down in the, in the water, but you're going to live, praise the Lord. Sharks are not going to get you. You're going to live. Hallelujah. And they made it to Malta. 
uh, praise the Lord, and, uh, and they were saved. Glory to God. But he got that in the middle of everything that was going on, all the noise. Can you imagine in the belly of a ship, the, the creaking of the ship with the, and the lightning and the thunder and all that going on and people yelling because they're scared and all of that. And in the midst of that, he said, be of good cheer. I have heard from God. It's going to be well. We'll lose the ship, but we're all going to live. Praise the Lord. And so we need to be able to do that in our own lives. So James says, is anyone suffering? So if you're suffering anywhere in your life, if anything is going on in your life, he should pray. Let him pray. Uh, I think the King James says, hallelujah. And so all of that was free. Praise the Lord. Hadn't even got to my message yet. I told you it's going to be splatter bear. Going to be all over the place. I don't know what we're going to name it. Maybe splatter bear. I don't know. Uh, hallelujah. What I had in my heart to do, though, was just to talk to you uh, out of my heart regarding prayer. And I've got a message here, and I'm going to refer to it, uh, but just uh, hit and miss uh, on different things that the Lord has been talking to us about lately. And, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, the ending of one, uh, everybody's getting their uh, New Year's resolutions together. Anybody in here? I do all that. Do you dare raise your hand right now? No, I'm seeing heads going like this. <laughs> and uh, at the end of a year, beginning of a new year, uh, what we're doing is we are hitting the reset button on our lives and things that we didn't do last year. If we didn't read all the books that we were say we were going to read, if we didn't lose all the weight we said we were going to lose, if we uh, didn't exercise the way that we we're going to magically on January 1st, we're going to start again. But most historians say by January 12th, <laughs> it's not even January 15th, it's January 12th. Whatever, however they figure that out, by January 12th, most New Year resolutions have gone the way of the dodo. <laughs> In the waste paper basket or whatever. And so people come out hot and they're ready to go. And then cold in January. It's not easy to go to the gym at five o'clock in the morning <laughs> and things go to, to the wayside. And uh, it's good to have good spiritual habits. And it's wonderful to have those because it keeps us in a way accountable to the Lord, accountable to ourselves and that kind of thing. And, um, and so uh, Jesus had spiritual habits. And we're going to look at that a little bit tonight. So if you would, go ahead and turn to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. You know, the beginning of this year, uh, some friends of mine uh, who pastor a church, they uh, uh, started a fast for their whole church um, from January 2nd to the 22nd. And so I didn't get really, really to reflect on what spiritual habits that I wanted to pick up back up again at the beginning of this year because I started the year with COVID. And uh, so the Friday before uh, New Year's Eve, I started having symptoms in my body and I slept through the whole next day. And uh, at five o'clock on Sunday morning, I was dreaming that I got up off the couch, went into my kitchen, pulled down a, a COVID test, and took it, and I was positive. And so I got up off of my couch, went into my kitchen, reached up, and got, took a COVID test, and I knew it was positive. And so for the next two weeks, I was home uh, recovering from that. So um, 
And usually what I try to do is set aside time at the, at the end of the year or before the end of the year. And we were just really busy around here and I didn't get to do that. So what I tried to do was hop on what God told them to do, which is a good spiritual practice. Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. And later we're going to look at when he said, when you pray. <laughs> and, uh, and so when you fast, do these things, you know, and that kind of thing. I thought, well, I wasn't able to get my own little spiritual practice or habit or whatever I wanted. So I'll just jump on the boat with them. And all I did was not eat. Because it wasn't something that was from my heart. It wasn't something that the Lord spoke to me to do. Even though fasting is good. I'm not saying that. Uh, but it wasn't what the Lord spoke to my heart to do. So just a few weeks ago, I was talking with a friend. And, uh, and we were talking about uh, this very thing, spiritual habits. And she was saying, you know, she didn't exactly know what the Lord wanted her to do this year, if anything. And, you know, if he's not talking to you about changing, just do what you did last year if it's, that's being successful for you. And not everybody has to change and alter and at the beginning of the year, have something new that they can have a, you know, a good confession about or whatever. But if what you're doing is working for you, keep working it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And uh, so in that conversation, and she had shared a, a video with me. And as I was listening to that video, uh, the Lord started downloading me what I needed to do this year. And so all of a sudden it became life to me. Because he's dealing with me about what he wants me to do, not me trying to pick up somebody else's spiritual habit to do in my own life that had no zero life in it. I worked it <laughs> and I did it, but I thought for 22 days, I just didn't eat, <laughs> you know, and, it, uh, and, and that probably did me some good too, praise the Lord, in the natural. So uh, Jesus had spiritual habits. And so we're going to look at that today. Uh, Ephesians 5, 1. It says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And so he's not going to make us follow. He's saying, uh, you follow, be followers, be that way, be followers of God. And, uh, and so uh, Ephesians 5, 14, go to, down to 14. And he says, wherefore he saith, Wait, awake thou that sleepeth and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. So <clears throat> even though spiritually we are alive, sometimes we can look like dead people. If you're in a deep enough sleep, you can look like, you know, somebody had to look at you. You ever uh, been around a little baby and you, you can't tell, you have to look, get right down. Are they breathing? Are they doing Okay. And so people can look like they're asleep, um, but um, can be asleep, but they can look like they're dead. And so spiritually, we can look that way. Even though we're born again, we can look like the world as spiritually dead people. We can take on the characteristics of the world if we're listening to the world enough. So he's saying, be ye followers of Christ. And that's the beginning of this, uh, this uh, text. And verse 15, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. It's where he's writing to the church. He's writing to spiritual people. 
Um, Ashley, um, uh, the historians say that uh, the church of Ephesus was the apex or the, the pinnacle of all churches. So he's talking to people who are spiritually discerned, people who uh, have good spiritual practices. And he's saying, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. He's telling the church, spiritual people, not to be fools. Well, I wonder what Paul would think about if he was here today. But be as wise. And verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Are the days. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. So in 2024, he's telling us we need to redeem the time. We need to redeem the time and not waste it. Not be a fool with our time. So, uh, you know, not get 12 months from now and realize that we squandered 2024. Um, uh, people who study this kind of stuff say that from the beginning of this year until December 31st of 2024, 61 million people will go into eternity. That's a lot of folks. 61 million people on this planet will go into eternity and not have more opportunity to turn their life around. What are we going to do with our time? And time is clicking by. And so they averaged it out to 1.9 people every second. So... We need to make good use of our time and savor the opportunities that we have uh, to do whatever God's called us to do. So life is very short, glory to God, and we're seeing that all, all around us. So we want to redeem that time. Uh, let's go to verse 16 again. The days are evil, he says. So anybody seeing some evil days today? Uh, things that are more prevalent today. Then, uh, and that's one of the reasons why uh, the, our pastors, young uh, youth pastors, want to meet with you and your children is because the days are evil. Amen. Pastor Robert was talking to me today about some things that are happening with our youth uh, on these different platforms that they're on in social media that you may not even be aware of. Uh, some things that I've, over the last few years, that went in encountering with young people and, and talking to them and helping to counsel them, that I'm shocked. I'm shocked. And, uh, and my daughter is, she'll kill me if I tell her age, but she's 42. And, um, and then I have three grandchildren, one in college, one get ready to go to college, and another one that's uh, in high school now. And, uh, and so there are things that they're facing and fighting that I never even dreamed of. It makes, you know, stuff that, that we were facing when we were a kid, like a little cat, you know, <laughs> I mean, mild kind of stuff. And we thought it was big back then, but they're facing things. Uh, and, uh, one of the scriptures that we use today, um, let's see if I could pull it up real quick. <clears throat> Proverbs 14, 26. It says, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. 
and his children shall have a place of refuge. We were singing tonight that last song about the name of the Lord. And in Psalms, it talks about the name of the Lord is a strong tower, that the righteous run into it, and they are, it's a refuge. The uh, NIV says, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children, it will be a refuge. The New Living says, those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. And so the refuge that you're building in your home uh, <clears throat> is no longer just the four walls of your home. Invasion is coming into your house through other means. And so <clears throat> in order to combat all that, that's what this is about. And so to help you fortify your house even more, that it is a safe tower, it is a strong tower, that you and your children can run into it and you're safe. That your children can lay down in bed at night and nothing is coming through a camera yes. in your home. Yes, yes. People not luring your children to locations so they can take them. We live in an evil day. And Ephesians tells us to be prepared for the evil day. And you may be even saying... Y'all, this is not my message. See, I'm all over the place. <laughs> Be prepared for the evil day. Um, I was going somewhere with that. Um, anyway, praise the Lord. It says, wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we need to know what the will of the Lord is. If we don't know what the will of the Lord is, it says not to be unwise and not know what the will of the Lord is, but be understanding what the will of the Lord is. is. And it goes on to say, and be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. So in order to know what the will of the Lord is, he's given us a prescription here of how to know the will of the Lord. Uh, don't be drunk with wine. Do we need to go there? Don't be drunk with wine. He's talking to the church of Ephesus. He's talking to the body of Christ. Don't be drunk with wine. Okay, I'll let that stand for himself before y'all throw rocks at me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I can go to Midland, but I won't. Where in is excess? Because everybody thinks they got a line. I can handle. Everybody thinks they got a line until the line gets crossed. But be filled. So the alternative to being drunk with wine, where is excess, is be filled with the Spirit. And how do we get filled with the Spirit? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So we're going to put a pin in that. We'll come back to it a little bit later. Um, so how do we redeem the time in 2024? How do we, uh, these opportunities that we have that will present themselves this year? We need to find out what the will of the Lord is. Amen. And, you know, and it's good to check in with him. I was listening to um, uh, 
Brother Kenneth E. Hagan's daughter in an interview recently. I was telling the schools of ministry students about this. And he would <clears throat> uh, make it a practice that every year, at least once a year, he would take a notebook and his Bible and a pen, and he would get along with God for several days and lay out everything he was doing in their family, in their church, in the ministry. He would lay everything out before the Lord and said, Lord, are we doing your will? Are we doing everything that you uh, ask you to do? Are we doing something that you ask us to do not the right way? Are we doing too much of something? Are we adding something to? Isn't that just a vulnerable place to be? I mean, as the spiritual giant that we look at him as, he laid out his life before the Lord and said, if I'm doing something you don't want me to do, I want you to tell me because I want the will of God. If I am doing what you want me to do, is there something that I could be doing better? If I, can do, if I can adjust or tweak it in a way. Rece uh, I, uh, last fall, uh, last year, <clears throat> I was walking in here. And uh, so I'm, I'm walking and I'm doing my arms like this. And uh, about an hour after that, I was standing at Bethany's desk. And uh, right here, I started hurting. And she said, are you okay? And I'm like, no, something's up. And uh, so as the day progressed, I kept getting worse, but I didn't know what it was. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily think I was having a heart attack or a stroke or anything like that, but something, something's up. And uh, so I went to bed that night and couldn't sleep, couldn't get comfortable or anything like that. And the, uh, the more time went by, the worse it got. So the next morning, my first stop is at the chiropractor's office. Praise the Lord. And so uh, as soon as they opened, I went in. And I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. And so uh, what he does is put me on electrical stem and, uh, you know, to kind of get you to relax and all of that. So when I get off the electrical stem, he takes me into the exam room and he said, um, I need you to lay, lay down, face down. I went, no. <laughs> he said, if I'm going to fix it, you're going to have to lay down. And uh, so I, I went ahead and laid down. And he said, are you ready? And I said, no. Nope, I'm not ready. And he said, if you're going to feel better when you leave here, you're going to have to let me adjust you. And so he said, when you're ready, take a deep breath. And so I went, and then he put his hand on that place where my ribs were out and manipulated and pushed them back in. And I screamed, bloody murder. And, uh, and then when he was done, I just <laughs> lay flat on the bed. And, uh, and he said, when you're ready, you can get up. And I laid there for a few minutes. I had to yield to the adjustment in order to be better. We have to yield to the adjustments of the Holy Ghost in order to walk out his will, even when it hurts. And then after your adjustment is made, you can't sit there and wallow in it, <laughs> which I wanted to do. And then he said, you might want to take a, a couple aspirin or some ibuprofen after this. That should have been a clue. Because I don't know if the non-adjustment was bad or the adjustment <laughs> was bad. Uh, but I was hurting nonetheless. But to rise up even in the hurt 
and, and, and move on. And sometimes, like, I wanted to lay there on that table in the hurt. Even after the adjust, I wanted to just stay there. But when he makes the adjustments in us, when we yield to him for the adjustments, he wanted us to get up and do what he's adjusted us about. Yeah. Amen? So, one of the things, which I'm not going to get done tonight, praise the Lord. Version 2 coming later this year. So we need to find out what the will of the Lord is, understanding what the will of the Lord is. One of the most um, evil doctrines that, are, uh, that is uh, pervasive in our society today and even in the church is the doctrine of God's in control. God's in control. Such and such and such and such. Well, God's in control. This is going on in my life, but God's in control. What it does is causes spiritual laziness in us. God is not in control. If we look back at Genesis, God gave, <clears throat> he gave the earth to the man he made and told him to go forth, multiply, and uh, have dominion over the earth and all the creeping things, all the creeps and <laughs> everything else, have dominion, exercise dominion, which in the garden they did not do. So you turn that authority or that dominion over to Satan. And Satan, Colossians tells us, is the God of this world now. Now, Jesus went to hell. He died on the cross for us. He went in. He got the keys. He rose up from the dead. And, uh, and he gave us the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And we're victorious now. But we have to enforce our victory. Amen. Amen? And so with that, we will never know the will of God if we don't ask or pray or seek or desire the will of God. Amen. It's not just going to happen in our lives. Because God's in control. He is not in control. He gave authority to man up on the earth for us to rule and to reign with. In our own lives to have dominion over weeds in our yard. Snakes on our property. Spiders coming in your house. All kinds of things. He had told us to exercise dominion on the, in the earth. He's given the responsibility to us to do something. And if we're going to know or understand the will of the Lord, prayer and seeking the will of the Lord is going to have to be something that's a part of our lives. Amen. And so what the devil would like to do is deceive us into thinking, well, it's just up to God. Everything's just up to God. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. Well, have you heard that before? Whatever will be, will be. But Jesus... When he's teaching the disciples about praying, he said, when you pray. So if the will of God was being done and, and, uh, and it's just going to happen, he tells them to pray that the will of the Lord that's in heaven be done on the earth. If the will of God is just going to be done, why pray? If the will of God in our lives is just going to be done, why pray? It's not. We're going to have to seek him out. We're going to, he says, ask, 
Seek, knock, and it'll be shown unto us what to do. Amen? Hallelujah. So God is not in control. And Jesus tells us to pray. Hallelujah. Let's rock and roll. So some habits of Jesus. Let's look at that very quickly. In Luke 5, 16. Let's look there. And he withdrew himself to the, uh, into the wilderness and prayed. This is our example. This is Jesus, the son of God. And if Jesus needed to pray, and Jesus prayed a lot. Amen. And if he's the son of God, born of God, and he needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? So Luke 5, 16, and he withdrew himself in the wilderness and prayed. So he withdrew himself from people and spent time alone in the presence of God. Mark 1, 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, Jesus help us. He went out and depart, departed to a solitary place and there prayed. When I first came into the things of God, uh, there were people talking about, you know, getting up at four o'clock in the morning and praying and stuff. And I'm nocturnal. I'm the other way. And so I tried to get up at four o'clock in the morning and pray. And what started happening was the Lord would hear me snore <laughs> instead of, or I would sleep instead of, and then, you know, you would jerk yourself and wake up. And so I remember hearing Brother Hagen talk about, he said, I, uh, he, he would stay up late and pray. So I thought it was almost like a doctrine to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and pray. I thought, dear Lord, we're in trouble if I have to get up every morning at 4 o'clock in the morning and pray. And Jerry Savelle talked about uh, the Lord telling him about spiritual habits, and he said he would get up and go get in the bathtub in the, ba in the bathroom, and he'd fall asleep. So what he started doing was standing on the edge of the tub so he wouldn't fall asleep and pray. And he said, I felt like if I fell out then, I'm going to hit my head and <laughs> knock myself out or something. So it's not so much about the time. It's showing us what his habits were. But this is not a doctrine that we have to get up early. You know what I'm saying? It's showing us the, the spiritual practices of Jesus. Although you folk that get up early in the morning, God bless you. LaJoyce and I, uh, very often uh, when we travel, uh, we are roommates. I stay up till two or three. She, cut, she gets up at three or four in the morning. So that makes us good roommates. And so, <laughs> and uh, we try to be respectful of one another uh, in that practice. But um, she can't stay up past 10 o'clock. Rarely can stay up past 10 o'clock. I'm just getting my second win at 10. You know, so praise the Lord. So whatever the habit is, incorporate him in your habit, whatever that might be. So in the morning, rising a great uh, while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary pray place. He didn't stand out in the courtyard. See, I'm praying and talking to my father. And, uh, and he prayed. Luke 6, 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray. Gatlinburg. And continued all night in prayer to God. So he went to Gatlinburg and prayed. Hallelujah. 
Uh, Luke 5, 13. And when it was day, he called unto his disciples. Of them he chose 12 and whom he uh, named the apostles. So in this instance, in uh, verse 12 and 13 here in Luke uh, 5, he stayed all, um, it said, yeah, it came to pass in those days, he went out to the mountain and prayed all night. But when he came, when it was day, it said, and you can look at this a little bit later, but 14, 15, and 16, I believe it is, he starts naming the apostles. He did that after a time of being in the presence of God. He knew what to do to choose those that were going to be around him and that he would train for the three and a half years that he was on the earth. He spent time in the presence. He, the son of God, spent time in prayer to find out who were going to be those close companions of him that will walk and that would train and would carry on the ministry after him. And the name of those 12 apostles are in the foundation uh, 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 is stones in Revelation. So they're there forever. Yes. He had to know. Yes. But he got it in prayer. And a little for, further down, it talks about the, uh, the, the kid that had the unclean spirit. So he, in that time of him spending that time all night praying with God, he knew what to do with that child. He never wasted a day. He is our greatest example. Uh, let's look at Luke 9, 18. And it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were, uh, were with him, and he asked them, saying, Who, uh, Whom say the people that I am? So we see here, again, he was spending some time alone, and then he drew his disciples with him praying. Luke 9, 28 through 31. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James, and he went up onto the mountain to pray. He went back to Gatlinburg. No. Um, maybe I'm wanting to go to Gatlinburg. That's standing out to me, praise the Lord. Uh, so he went back to the mountain to pray, and he took his three closest comrades with him. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. Gliss glistering and behold there talk with him two men which were Moses and Elias who appeared in glory and spake of his decease which he should accomplish at Jerusalem in a time of prayer with his three comrades there uh, in this time of prayer he began to glow so to speak he began to glistering whatever glistering is and uh, so but this happened in a time of prayer the glory showed up on the mountain. And you remember, Peter said, let's build three tabernacles and stay here. But then again, at the bottom of the hill, there's a little boy that needs ministering to, needs deliverance to. Let's look at Luke 11, 1 and 2. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased... Uh, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray. And he said unto them, when you pray, say when you pray. When you pray. And uh, even though he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to the body of Christ that's walking with him right there. He's not talking just to ministers. That's right. Amen. 
So a lot of times people have relegated, uh, you know, you have a gift of prayer or, uh, you know, but people don't necessarily have a gift of prayer, but they give themselves to prayer. And that's for all of us to give ourselves to prayer. Jesus gave himself to prayer. When you pray. So it's understood on Jesus' part that we're going to do it. (laughs) Not, you know, if you decide to or not, when you pray. So he says, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed. So we've taken this as a prayer that we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, you know, we learned in the Sunday school when we were growing up and all of that. It was not a prayer for us to recite. He was giving us instruction that when you go in to pray, do these things. Reverence God. Honor God when you go to pray. Remind yourself who you're talking to. You're talking to the creator of the universe. You're talking to the one who slung stars in the space. And you're talking to your heavenly father. And Jesus also told us that when we pray, that we're not to pray to him. We're to pray to the father. And he would give us those things that we ask, right? So uh, when we pray, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And what's the next In heaven, on the earth. So, if he's in control, why are we praying? If his will is being done on the earth, why are we praying? Jesus, the head of the church, by the way, said that when you pray, pray this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On the earth as it is in heaven. Which means that the will of the Lord is not being done on earth as it is in heaven. The way they, that heaven, I guarantee you there are no uprisings in heaven. Amen. There was one, and he got kicked out. Jesus said, I saw Satan like lightning. It was a fast quick out, <laughs> kick out. <laughs> Not we're going to think about it, we're going to talk about it, we're going to know out. So God is not in control. <clears throat> the will of God will not happen in our lives automatically. We have to pray. Um, and the only sure foundation we have is it is written right. in the black and white. And even though when we pray, the spirit of God will talk to us. That's the advantage that we have that there, the general will of God is in this book. But if we want to know specifics about our own lives, uh, the spirit of God helps us with that. So if I want to know, can Belinda Tolliver go to such and such a place? Uh, I get the witness of the spirit or the peace of God, whether to travel, whether to do, you know, whatever it is that I have in my heart to do, Um, you know, uh, whether to get married or not. It's not written in here. There's some scriptures written in here about marriage, but it's not say Belinda Tolliver marry so-and-so 
Uh, and uh, so the specifics we get from the advantage of having the Holy Ghost on the inside. But he can be there as if someone living in your house that you don't talk to. So you can have the benefit and the advantage of having the helper live in you, but if you don't consult with him, it's as if he's not there. And he's such a gentleman, he's not going to push his way. We have to acknowledge him. Uh, every morning in prayer, uh, not every morning, but most mornings in prayer, we say, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you in all of our ways, and you'll direct our paths in prayer today. We acknowledge that the helper is there to help us. Um, I heard Brother Hagen say this one time, and um, he's just our spiritual father that we revere and honor and, and that kind of thing. He said, most people live beyond their prayer life. Um, Watchman Nee said this, and I'll come back to that. Watchman Nee, which is uh, a, a spiritual leader uh, years ago, he said, our prayers laid a track down which God's power can come on. Like a mighty locomotive, his power is irresistible, but it cannot reach us without rails, meaning the, the rails on the, on the uh, road. And so he said, most people live beyond their prayers. So if you've prayed out a track this far, but you're living out here, you're living in your own will. Because you, you prayed up this far. King Asa, we prayed about him today. King Asa, whenever um, formidable armies would come against him, what he would do was he would inquire of the Lord. And, uh, and so uh, it says uh, after a while that uh, he rested, his enemies rested for 25 years. And then after 25 years, they started coming back, the enemies started coming back. But he didn't inquire of the Lord of how to handle them. He went to other kings to, uh, to form alliances to fight against whoever was coming against him, and it did not please the Lord. So what was he doing? Getting out beyond where the will of God was. And he didn't even turn to ask the Lord, what should I do about this? So we can be in the will of God up until a certain point. We could be in the will of God in certain areas in our life, and out of the will of God in another area of our life. But in all of it, in order to remain where those tracks, so we know where to walk. Like the, the missions teams, we just walked out our prayers. We just showed up and what we prayed out, we just acted out. That's what he wants in our lives. It's for us to pray out the will of God for our lives. Um, I am going to uh, put this up, and then we'll just put a pin in it till next time. Uh, Wesley, would you go ahead and put up that um, graphic for me? Uh, a few years ago, I got to meet Dr. Hilton Sutton. Uh, I was uh, asked to come to a breakfast, and he was teaching at that breakfast on end-time things, and he's, he's in heaven now. But I had the opportunity to sit next to him. Praise the Lord. And uh, so uh, such wisdom was coming out of him. So the breakfast was about to be up and, you know, and everybody's trying to come and speak to him and everything. So I had a moment. So I asked him, a seasoned minister, uh, uh, ask him, as a seasoned minister to a young'un, and I'm still a young'un, 
uh, what advice would you give me to help me be successful in the ministry? And that's the question that I ask him, but I believe this can apply to anybody. If you were never going to see me again, what would you tell me? And this is what he said. If you want to be successful in ministry, and I'll say also in life, do these things and you'll last a long time. Read your Bible every day. A spiritual habit, a spiritual practice. Pray, talk to the Father, meaning actually talk to him. Pray in other tongues. If you're not spirit-filled in here, you don't pray in other tongues, we got some folks that can get you filled and talk in other tongues because that's your code language with God, right? And so you want to be able to speak in your code language so the devil don't know what's going on. You're praying out mysteries in your life. And then he said, worship the Lord. And then he said, out of these things, obey what he says to do. And our pastors... Uh, when they're training young ministers now, and they're having a lot of influence in ministers' lives right now, uh, and you've heard pastors say this, that if we had a, um, a church growth seminar, it would be the shortest church growth seminar that there will be. Um, all we did was pray. He told us what to do, and we did it. This building, this property, we prayed. He told us what to do. We did it. In our lives, as far as to get, to get together to get married, we prayed, we, we did what he showed us to do, and we did it. So this is not just for ministers. And, there's this, and that's where the devil also keeps us in this arena of the Bible is not just for ministers. Amen. These spiritual practices or habits are not just for ministers. They're for anyone that will give themselves to it to do it. And so read your Bible every day, pray and talk to the Father, pray in other tongues, worship the Lord, and then out of these things, obey what he tells you to do.